The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, that we can feast together this morning. In Zion, feasting on your word. And Father, just speak to us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, reveal sin to us. Lord, if there be one here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them and that you would reveal yourself this morning to them and also to us as believers. We're trusting you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, children can be dismissed to your right-hand side of the sanctuary. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, open to Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 this morning. Joshua Chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. In the game of American football, the quarterback is one of the most important positions on offense. The quarterback leads the team. He calls the play. He throws or hands the ball off. The quarterback is the one position that almost every play he touches the ball. The quarterback must receive the play from the coach and and then go to the huddle and tell his teammates what the play is. He must be a great communicator with the team. And once at the line of scrimmage, the quarterback almost has to be like an assistant coach on the field, knowing the offense that everybody has lined up where they're supposed to be lined up, but also knowing the other team's defensive schemes to lead the team to victory. The only position, the quarterback, is the only position that is almost as hard as a quarterback's is the backup quarterback. The backup quarterback has to be ready at all times. If the starting quarterback goes down to injury, the next man up goes in. Therefore, the backup quarterback goes into the game. The backup quarterback must study and practice as if he is playing that next game. When his number is called, he must be ready to lead his team. In 2001, we saw a backup quarterback come into the game after Drew Bledsoe had a collapsed lung, and he was a 199th pick of the NFL draft, but his name, that backup quarterback's name, was Tom Brady. 
which went on as a backup to win six Super Bowl rings and still counting. So just as sometimes in the game of football, the time comes and the, and the coach looks at the backup and says, it's your time. In Joshua chapter 1, we see a similar situation. You see, this is immediately after the death of Moses. This was a new generation of Israelites. It wasn't the same ones that had left Egypt with Moses. The story of Joshua is when the nation of Israel had first appeared in the land west of the Jordan River. God comes to Joshua with a charge. An encouraging, motivational word of instruction. The Lord was stating to Joshua that now it's your time to lead my people, the Israelites, into the promised land. You, Joshua, are the vessel to help carry out my sovereign plan is what the Lord was saying. Joshua had to be asking the question, what is God doing? And how is He doing it? So many times in our life, we ask the question, what is God doing? And how is He doing it? So let us now take our copy of God's Word and let's look at Joshua chapter 1, starting with verse 1 and reading to verse 10. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that your soul, that the soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness. And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to you, their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success. Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the, the people. Okay, so there is really two main points this morning for us to see. The first point is that Joshua was a servant leader called by a sovereign God to complete God's sovereign plan. The second point we're going to look at in just a few minutes is that Joshua receives the Lord's guarantee. But first off, Joshua, a servant leader called by a sovereign plan of God to complete God's sovereign plan. We see here in Joshua chapter 1, in verse 1, the Lord speaks directly to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, he is speaking directly to Joshua. Face to face, you may, uh, you may think about God talking to Joshua face to face. And what does God say to Joshua? He says, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now we see the account of Moses' death. We see this in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 34, verse 5. Therefore, we have to imagine that Joshua was still grieving about the death of Moses. Joshua had spent 40 years by Moses' side. Moses was Joshua's mentor, or you might say a, even a spiritual father is what Moses was to, to Joshua. We see in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13, that Joshua uh, was a fighter for Moses. Moses had told Joshua to, to choose men to fight uh, Amalek. And as Moses stood at the top of the hill with his staff, whenever Moses raised his hands up, then they would have victory. The army would prevail. But as soon as he put his arms down, he, that they would begin to struggle. And then we know the story that Aaron and Hur, Moses sat down and his arms were tired. And Aaron and Hur came and lifted up. The, the hands of Moses, which allowed the army to overwhelm the people of Amalek with the sword. The Bible actually says that Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So Joshua was a fighter for Moses. We see that Joshua was a, a servant for Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the tent where Moses met with God outside of the camp of the Israelites, the Bible says that Moses would meet with God and talk to God face to face. As a man talks to his friend, it says in verse 11, we see that Joshua did not leave the tent and was greatly, was already demonstrating responsibility and loyalty as a custodian 
over the tent. We also see that, that Joshua was one of the two faithful spies of the twelve for Moses. In Numbers chapter 14, Caleb and Joshua rebuked the Israelites for their fear and lack of faith. The Bible says that Caleb and, and Joshua tore their clothes out of anger. They were angry, stating to the people that the Lord delighted in the Israelites. That He would bring them into the land, but they must not rebel or fear. And they must trust in the promise of God. We also see that, that Joshua was commissioned by, by Moses in Numbers chapter 27. Moses appealed to God as a humble servant would appeal to his master for someone that would be concerned for the nation as much as Moses was. And then God brought into Moses, God brought Joshua, and God told Moses to take uh, and assert authority over Joshua because he had the Spirit in him, which means it was meant that Joshua was called by God with purpose to carry out a specific task that was appointed by the Lord. And Moses commissioned Joshua to lead the Israelites. Commission was a formal transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And then we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31 that Moses was 120 years old and he summoned Joshua. Hence, God was not telling Joshua something he didn't know that, that Moses was dead. Joshua knew that Moses was dead. So God was telling Joshua nothing new. But the point God was trying to get across to Joshua was that Moses' work is done. Moses' work is done and now Joshua is your turn. God was saying to Joshua, it's your turn. Step up, Joshua. It's time to not just to serve but to lead. Joshua was not being summoned by man this time. When he was summoned by Moses, he was summoned by man. But this time, Joshua was being summoned by God. By the God of the universe. By Yahweh. And God continues to this day to call His people. To call you, you and me into service. For His glory. As believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are called not just to be served, but we are called to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What an honor to be able to serve Him who served us. To be able to serve in the, in the kingdom of God, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God continues to call even unto this day. We are called as believers to be servants of the Lord. He is the one that calls us. He is the one that calls leadership into existence as we see here with Joshua. What is leadership? Well, leadership is influence. It's, it's a call to pursue Christ in all areas 
of our lives. We are a new creation in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer this morning, you are called to lead. If you are a believer this morning, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And He has placed a calling on your life to lead. He's called us to lead in our homes as fathers and as mothers. To lead in our home. He's called us to lead in our areas of work. He's called us to leave, lead at the places where we, where we play. And we have fun in our neighborhoods. You see, we have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And now we have a purpose and a reason that we are still alive on this earth. If your heart is beating this morning, God has purpose for your life. God has a reason, and if you are a believer this morning, God has even more of a reason that you are still on this earth, and that is to go out and to leave and to be a servant for, to others, sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ Jesus, that he came through a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he went to a cross and shed his blood. And it didn't end there. He, they put him in the tomb and, and they thought they could shut him up. But on the third day, he arose. And that's what we celebrate. That's the reason we have victory this morning. But that's also the reason that we were commissioned by Jesus Christ to go. Our purpose is to go out and allow our light to shine. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anyone, for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. As you go over, my family was so blessed to be able to go over and tour Israel just a few couple months ago. And as you ride through Israel, the, the very small state of Israel, which is only about 120 miles long from north to south, not a very big state, but as you ride through Israel, you suddenly often, very much, you look up and you see a city, many cities on a hill. And at night, it's the most beautiful scene you could ever see because at night, all the lights are lit up. And you see what Jesus was talking about when he said, you are, a light, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Not only was Joshua commissioned by God, but we as believers have been commissioned by God. By Jesus Christ in, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus came and, and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to, the, to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So every believer is to live out Christ. We are to live out Christ in our everyday lives by sharing the gospel. 
Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. In Matthew 20, 28, and Mark 10, 45, he says this to us. And then we see in John 13, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. In John 13, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, just as Joshua was called by a sovereign God, God Sovereign God to complete his sovereign plan, so are we. In this passage, Joshua doesn't just receive the plan, but he also receives the Lord's guarantee. You see, in in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, God had made a promise to Abraham that his people, that they would inherit the land. And that day... On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. You see, the Israelites were looking forward to an earthly king. Then David, uh, they were looking forward to an earthly king. Solomon would come on the scene. And then David, which ultimately, through the line of David, Jesus, the true king, would come and would save us, would save us from our sins. This is the climax of Scripture, the birth of Jesus Christ. But at this moment in time, God is calling Joshua, which is part of the plan that will ultimately lead to Jesus Christ. You see, God was going to fulfill this plan through Joshua. And God is still fulfilling his plan today through the church. God is still fulfilling his plan through the church, which in us as believers, we can trust that just as God began the work in Joshua, he has begun a work in you and in me. And our God is faithful and is working it all out in our lives to fulfill his purposes and promises. As we see in Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, Paul said that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the time of Jesus Christ. You see, as believers this morning, he has begun a work in us. And we can rest in Jesus Christ this morning. We can rest in the sovereignty of God that he has begun a work in us as believers. And he is going to finish that work. He still calls us to serve. He still calls us to lead. But we can rest in the fact that he has gone before us. He has every detail of our life planned out, mapped out. And we can rest assured of that. And he had this for Joshua. According to the word of God, this guarantee. God gave Joshua a guarantee. What was this guarantee? Well, it wasn't a guarantee like like we're used to, right? Because God's guarantee always comes through. 
Now, there's such thing. We have to be obedient, and we have to line ourselves up with the Word of God, being obedient to God's Word and lining up our life according to the Word of God. But God is doing the work in us. He is working through us. So we're used to the guarantee that we know Um, which is a formal promise you get at Walmart or assurance, typically in writing, that certain conditions will be fulfilled for a product. And and if not, that product will have to be prepared or replaced, if not uh, of a specified quality or durability. So a lot of places will offer you a lifetime guarantee on a product. Some places will offer you a a 10-year guarantee. I know Sears was, was good about offering a lifetime guarantee on all their tools. So if anything went wrong with those tools, the rest of your life, you could take that tool back to Sears and they would guarantee it. And that's the noun Uh, definition of of guarantee. The verb definition is providing a formal assurance or promise, especially that certain conditions shall be fulfilled relating to a product, service, or transaction. You see, this definition of the the verb definition of a guarantee is is two-sided. The producers of the product provide you the promise. The product will work as advertised as long as you utilize the product in such a way it was meant to be utilized. So for this definition of guarantee, I cannot buy a steak knife that is supposed to cut steak and go out and throw it in my toolbox and expect to come back in the guarantee to still be good. I have to utilize it in the way the tool was meant to be utilized. And as far as the gospel, praise the Lord, we are under grace. If you read all out through the Old Testament, they were under the law. And so many times they turned their heart from the Lord. And as new, uh, and God had mercy on even the Old Testament believers. And as, as, as New Testament believers, we are not under the law, we are under grace. And He is doing the work, and we can rest assured of that. That His grace is sufficient in our very time of need. In fact, the Bible says when sin increases, grace increases. So we can rest assured that as believers, we are under God's grace. And praise the Lord for that. So, what is the God guarantee Made to Joshua. Well, in verse 6, we see that the land would be distributed as promised. Verse 7, we see that success would come. How does Joshua gain success? Well, the, the Hebrew word for success is, is sakal. It's found frequently in the wisdom literature that describes one's mastery of the world and insight into its challenges. The expression was used before a great undertaking. Sorry. For receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. So we see in verse 7, notice the two words observe carefully and whole instruction. 
The Hebrew word for whole instruction was the Torah, which describes God's revelation in the form of the previous books of the law of Moses. That Moses is to observe carefully to the text states. You see, as believers, we now have the entire word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we know the beginning and we know the end. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. In 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we see that God tells Joshua what to do with God's word. In verse 8, God is telling Joshua to speak the word, that it must not depart from your mouth. You must always be speaking the word of God. God tells Joshua to meditate on the word of God and to observe everything in it. Then you will prosper and succeed in everything you do. You see, God's word is powerful. When a vessel of God stands and proclaims the word of God and it comes forth, it's powerful. And for the believer today, for you and I, we are believers that were Gentiles. But we have been brought in to the grace of God. Praise God for that. And we see this early in Genesis, in chapter 22, it says, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then we see in Revelation, who will not fear? Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. You see, God will fulfill his purpose. He does this through his servants. And then we see in three different areas. In Joshua chapter 1. Where God encourages Joshua. He pretty much, there's three different places where God pretty much gives him a pump-up session. And he says 
Three different times, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. First of all, we see it in verse 6. In verse 6, we see that, that God says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And then in verse 7, we says, uh, God says again, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And then we see again in, in verse 9, God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. So we see here three different times God tells. God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. We see this spoken to Israel by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, to be strong and courageous. The expression was used before the great, a great undertaking took place, like David charged to Solomon to build the temple. And he said, be strong and courageous. Joshua's own charge to Israel to fight. In Joshua chapter 10, he said, be strong and courageous. But here we see when God is talking to Joshua, he says it three different times. This is what we call in the Old Testament, it's what we call a superlative. It's, it's God emphasizing this to Joshua for some reason. Making sure this point was getting across. Making sure his point was getting across. Emphasizing to Joshua to be strong and courageous. I would imagine that, that in the Bible says you will need to remember this, Joshua. That you will need to be strong and courageous. That work will be hard. You will need to peel your ears back and listen to the instruction of the Lord. Listen to my words. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Verse 7. And then in verse 9, after he tells him to be uh, strong and courageous, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged. What does strong and, and courageous, what does it mean? What does the word strong and courageous mean? Well, the word strong means to withstand. To withstand. You see, as believers, sometimes as believers, when we're pursuing God, when He is doing a work, when He is doing the work, and He's making us into a beautiful piece of pottery, Things get tough. Things get hard. And things were going to get hard in Joshua's life as he led the Israelites. And I think Joshua knew this. He had dealt with people. And I don't know about you, but anytime you deal with people, it's hard, right? Because we're human. We're, we're sinful beings. And this is what Joshua was about to step into as a leader. And God, God knew this. And Joshua knew this. And he was telling Joshua to be strong and to withstand no matter what you're going through. And then he said, take courage. Even when you may be afraid. 
and you don't know the outcome, you can trust me, Joshua. You see, that's what the Lord is saying to us as a church. You see, Satan wants no more than to bring fear into your life because what happens when fear comes into our lives is we get paralyzed and we don't think clearly. And God was saying to Joshua, fear not, Joshua. Take courage, be strong, even though you may be afraid. Even though you don't know the outcome, go anyway because I am with you. You see, God has given us his peace and tells us that we don't have to fear, but we can trust him. As individual believers, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear our jobs or or our spouses or our children. Because we can trust in Him. God has given us His peace. And He tells us not to fear but to trust Him. Jesus said in in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Ephesians 16, 6.10 says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord. And by his vast strength. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I'm with you. You see, our God is with us. And if our God is with us this morning, if our God is with us as individuals, if our God is with us as families, if our God is with us as a church, then what else matters? Really, it's if our God is with us, who cannot be? If our God is with us, who cannot be with us? Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, this morning, as a church, it doesn't matter how much I please man. In fact, pleasing man really should be at the bottom of my list. God has called me to serve him. And by serving him, you serve people. And you minister to people. But what matters most as believers and what matters most as a church is not pleasing man, it's pleasing him. Is pleasing God because if we please God and He is for us, who can be against us? So, in closing this morning, our virtue formation for us as believers is number one, receive the charge, receive the challenge from the Lord that was to Joshua but is also to believers that is now under the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ to serve, to lead, and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two is to stand firm and rest in His promises. His guarantee for us. How? 
Well, we speak the word of God. We share it. We meditate on the word of God. And we pray that God would help us to line our life by his grace and his mercy to line our lives up according to the word of God. John chapter 14 verse 23 says, Jesus replied, says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And number three, our virtue formation as believers is to be strong and courageous. Our strength this morning comes from Him. Our strength this morning comes from the Lord. Go. God calls us to go, even when it seems hard, even when it seems impossible. And then there's no need for fear. If God is for us, who can be against us? He does not give us a spirit of fear, but a love and a peace and of a sound mind. You see, in verse 10, we see that Joshua, he got up and he went in confidence. Today, let us go in confidence. Let's pray. Father, you're so, so good. And Lord, it humbles me to think that now we are under the new covenant that, Father, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And you came to us and you revealed to us as believers our sin. And you've called us into your work. And Father, that is a privilege this morning. I pray that we would never take that for granted. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you went to Joshua and you talked to him and you encouraged him. And just as you spoke to Joshua many, many years ago, Father, you're speaking to us now. You're speaking to us to be strong and courageous. That you've begun a, a work in us and you're going to complete that work that you've begun in us. That you go before us and that we can rest in that. Father, draw us this morning closer to you. Lord Jesus, draw us this morning closer to you as a church, surrendering to your plan, to your will for us. Lord, if there be one here lost this morning, Father, may they not leave this place without coming into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to now have a time of response.
And as they play, as we play a worship song, and, and I just want to ask you this morning to be obedient to what God's told you to do. To how God has, has spoke to you this morning. Maybe he's calling you to do something that, that just as Joshua is uncomfortable for you. But he's called you out and he's told you to be bold and to be courageous that I'm going to be with you. Not to fear. These steps are open this morning as an altar if you'd like to come down and pray. Maybe as a church, we would just say, Lord, we need you to show us. Maybe you're here this morning and and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe God is, is speaking to you this morning. I ask you and and I plead as God is working on your heart to to come. Matt's here. He will be here to help you. He can pray with you. I'm here. However God leads, let us be obedient to his calling. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.